Welcome to Yip Podcast. This is Mary. And this is Tammy. Yip. Yip. And today on the program, we are going to feature an interview, actually two interviews. Tammy doesn't know this yet. (laughs) (laughs) I almost spit out my water. What? Two interviews? (laughs) (laughs) Two interviews. Um, The first one is with April Rose. Um, formerly of Belly Dance Superstars and also a formerly of Unmata. <laughs> okay, sorry. It just happens sometimes. And um, then I also got a super short like mini interview. I just got a couple minutes with Zoe Jakes as well. So we're going to put them all that magnificence into this one episode. We'll try. We'll try. Oh, yeah. We'll see it's going to blow your freaking mind. <laughs> Already. I bet you guys are already dizzy. Don't sue us for blowing your mind. <laughs> so, Tammy, what is going on with you? Well, I've been surfing the web. Oh, gee. <laughs> Wearing my bikini. <laughs> Take it out my paddleboard. Anyway. <laughs> I have not, folks, been wearing a bikini, so don't be frightened. Um, anyway, <laughs> I just want to talk about a couple things I found online. So one of them was a Gilded Serpent article that came out called, Does Your Teacher Have Your Best Interests at Heart? And it's a pretty cool article. Um, it starts off saying, how do you know if your belly dance teacher has your best interests at heart? Here are some important questions to ask yourself and perhaps others. So just a couple of little questions they have. Is your teacher qualified to give you a proper foundation for technique as well as cultural references? And, you know, they talk about don't be afraid to ask for what credentials your teacher has, that kind of stuff, which I know some people, especially if you're new, you might not even think to ask that, but you should ask how long they've been teaching. How long have they been performing prior to that? Things like that. Well, it's hard to tell, though, because I think we've all met dancers who are like, I've been dancing since I was eight. And you look at them and you're like, well, <laughs> it doesn't show. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you probably still have to just take a class and figure it out. But these are helpful, <laughs> helpful things to know. Does your teacher give you honest critiques and feedback? Some people don't want that. So it's a good question to ask. That is true. That is true. Sometimes you just want to go into class, have a good time, and not hear nothing. Uh, anyway, <laughs> are your teachers' classes and troops a positive and healthy environment? That's really hard to determine, I think. Like, and you can't, not something you can determine right off the bat. Well, not right off the bat, but I mean, after a couple months, you'll get a vibe. You know, either everyone talks to you or they're like, um, excuse me, I don't know your name and I'm in the troop, so you'll have to move out of the way. <laughs> You're in my parking spot. God, who are you? <laughs> That's totally you, Mary. It was me. I'm in recovery. Right <laughs> Does your belly dance teacher encourage you to learn from other teachers, even from yeah. other local teachers? That's and- a big one at other local events that offer workshop yeah that's huge mm-hmm. that'll tell you about your community right there yeah i was with a <laughs> teacher for a while who i didn't think i knew there was another dance world outside of her studio because i never heard about other workshops i didn't hear about other teachers and then when i started with Lacey, she's constantly like oh we're going to this workshop hey try out this teacher oh my gosh she sounds awesome i'd probably learn so much so it's like it's very weird for a while. I was like, oh, there's belly dance outside of Orlando. <laughs> there's strange. a lot of dancing out there. <laughs> um, does your teacher offer performance opportunities or at least uh, roots for you to gain them on your own? Is your teacher helping you develop your own style? Is your teacher helping you accomplish your personal dance goals? Does your teacher even know your personal dance goals? 
I guess they can't help you accomplish them if you don't share them. Well, I mean, that's <laughs> going to be, I mean, that's various levels of importance. I mean, if you're taking a dance style in a certain style, then, then no, you're not developing your dance style. You're developing your teacher's dance style. That's the class you're taking. I think if you really want your teacher to help you develop your own dance style, that's where private lessons come in. Yeah, that, that part says if you have progressed past a certain point and are desiring to por- perform as a soloist, then you need a teacher who wants to see you become your own dancer, meaning that you will probably no longer want to emulate the exact style of your teacher. If you are put down or restrained for experimenting with your own style and for branching out, then you should find a teacher who can assist you in your journey to find your unique style. Why, thank you. It's <laughs> a magical thing to say. <laughs> I think I just heard music when you said that. Wow. Um, what also kind of goes into that is you need to be self-aware as a dancer, which is always hard being honest because usually people go one way or the other. Either they're like, I am amazing. I'm so amazing. How can you mess with perfection? Or people get overly critical. So it's hard to find a good balance. Yeah. And I mean, that mm-hmm. goes back to does your teacher give good feedback and critique? But I mean, if you think you're amazing, your teacher might be saying, look, you need some more time to work on your technique. And you might be hearing, I'm crushing your dreams because I want control over you. So uh, that may be hard. There's two sides to every story. Do you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. But these are just questions for you personally well, to ask. Well, this is my thoughts about those questions. <laughs> I'm just sharing it. Just sharing my thoughts. Lastly, does your teacher make you feel that if you leave her class troop studio, you will have no opportunities without him or her? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry it upset you. (laughs) Remember that you're your own person and you can use your talents any way you want. Nobody owns anybody else and nobody owns belly dance. Belly dance is an exciting world that gives women and men many artistic and entrepreneurial... Entrepreneurial. Thank you. Opportunities. (laughs) Everyone (laughs) is benefited by the success of others within a community. It wasn't going to happen for me, so (laughs) I could already tell... (laughs) So that was, I thought, an interesting article. It's just things to think about. Now, I saw um, Shay's comment about that article. She mentioned, or the article mentioned something about teachers pressuring students to perform too soon, maybe before they're ready, and how performance isn't always the end-all, be-all. Correct. And I was thinking about that as well from the teacher's standpoint, uh, as far as getting students in the door. It's kind of between... It's tough, I think, to find a line where you're encouraging your students... And you're not holding, you know, you're encouraging them, but you don't also want to lose students if they want to perform. You know, if their goal is, hey, I want to perform, and that goal gets them going to class and you need to pay your bills, then I think finding that line between making sure they're ready to perform and making sure they don't get discouraged and go, well, there's other places in town that'll let me perform even if I suck. So That's what Hofla's I'm gonna go studio shows are for. <laughs> That's right, but you know what I mean? Like yeah. you even have to, you just have to make sure you have some kind of place where students can perform even if they're not ready for, you know, the big time, <laughs> the big time, the community uh, <laughs> <Events>. hall event. <laughs> if you will. Yeah, and then, but then you're right. I mean, you cuz you also have to be concerned about those students who are already nervous just to come to class. Mm-hmm. So the last thing they're thinking is to perform <laughs> ever. So. And the people who, who've never sewn anything before, and that's like an additional intimidation factor. I have exactly. to make my own. I don't understand. I can't even sew on a button. I have money. I will <laughs> spend money. Okay. Well, then you're good. Awesome. You don't, you don't do ever need to learn to sew. I know. For you. Um, well, 
actually, that leads me to Shay's blog, The Adventures of the Tribal Dancer. So this is not her Deep Roots dance blog. This is her adventuresome blog. Her adventuresome blog, where she goes on many adventures. And lots of yummy (laughs) recipes. Yeah, she does have a lot of recipes. So on here, she discusses, in early February, she decided she was going to overturn her policy, which was a no men in her class policy. So now um, she has decided she is going to open her regular regular classes to all genders in her next session. So what she did here was I I really thought nice and uh, it, it was really interesting to read. It was why she decided originally to make it in all women or women only class, and then how she's come to. I guess change her mind about it or or really come to settle in her decision and decide to make it for all genders. So it's just I I found it interesting um and thought that other people would as well. I don't know if you had a chance to read it, but you know, she talks about like when she first started, she actually did have her class open to mm-hmm. both men and women and she had several cases where men have come in and really disrespected her class and made it very uncomfortable for the women in her class and so she just had bad experiences decided to do away with that make it an, a women only since then she's even asked her students over the years like how they feel about it some students say look i've got too many men in my life <laughs> this, is, this is my women wow. only time <laughs> and then she'd been thinking about it and then after john compton passed away she really had said okay what would have happened if Jamila had not allowed John Compton to dance mm-hmm. you know we would would he have found somewhere else you know so that was kind of helping her make that final decision to switch mm-hmm. to allowing um, all genders in her class so I think that's cool and uh, I'm very supportive of you Shay I understand the weirdness, though. Like, if, yeah. if I'd been canvassed my first couple of years of, you know, do you think we should allow guys? I'd be like, first of all, that's totally weird. Uh, guys don't belly dance. Uh, <laughs> so, no. And I'm more comfortable yeah. not having guys around. Like, totally. Um, and, uh, you know, a, a guy that both of us have danced with, Matt, mm-hmm. friend of the show. <laughs> <laughs> um you know, he tried to dance at a couple different places in town and a couple different places said, you know, look, we're women only classes. And so when he when he found classes that would take men, you know, Lacey and then a, a couple other people will take men now. It was it was just seemed very hard. And and, and honestly, uh, dancing with Matt wasn't weird. But the first time I saw a male belly dancer on a video, I was like so weirded out. Like it was just like an alien well, it's not the norm. I mean, and, mm-hmm. and things that are not the norm at first are kind of like, what? What? You know, you don't even mm-hmm. know if you like it or not because it's just so different that your mind's just trying exactly. to... Exactly. Like, okay, let me wrap yeah. my mind around this concept. I was just like, that can't be right. It's very <laughs> weird. You know, so it took me just some time to adjust and to just kind of open my mind, honestly, a little yeah. bit about it. And now, I mean, I think it's totally great. Because, I mean, you're going to run into all kinds of weirdos, whether they're men or women, that you'd prefer not come back to your class. Excuse it's me. It's true. Making the rest of us uncomfortable, please. Please don't come back. Um, 
But yeah, I can see both sides of that. But but I'm super happy for her. I hope everything goes awesome. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I thought about that too when I was reading it. It's like mm-hmm. I can see both sides. I understand the instructors that want a women-only class. I get it. And if that's the best way for them to run their classes, their studios, then you know that that, Mm -hmm. that's how they're going to be comfortable teaching then that's probably for the best and then there are other people who are perfectly fine with having men in their class and um i think she talked a lot about ownership of her her class yeah yeah feeling strong as an instructor and a teacher and a studio owner and um that makes a world of difference so. Like having having no having met her and talked to her yeah. <laughs> now, I can totally picture her going, "Look, you're creepy, and I don't want you to come back." Exactly. In a nice way, but in a firm way, you know. And and I think if she, definitely if she was feeling not sure about how to approach that and broach that subject, I can see that being a just like oh, let's just just nip it in the bud. Let's not have it as a problem. Exactly. You know, not all people like confrontation, like myself. <laughs> I don't like confrontation. I don't like confrontation. Uh, I just don't run away from confrontation. That's why I have you, Tammy. Exactly. Exactly. Um, the next thing is from Tribe. Tribe. Whoa. I thought Tribe was dead. <laughs> it might be, but I found this. So. Yay. <laughs> Somebody's still posting. Um, this is in the makeup and hair for dancers. Uh, tribe. <laughs> I don't know why I got a very weird voice with that. (laughs) I've heard of that tribe. It is an iPhone and an Android app, and it is an app called Makeup Forever Pocket Studio. So it's totally cool. So I downloaded it and was playing with it a little bit today. It's a lot of like different makeup tutorials. You have this thing where you pick like style studio and like all these different categories. So I'm going to pick style studio. Um, I'm sorry. I'm not getting good thing in my in this good thing in your thing in this pot in our little podcast room i'm not my 4g is acting funky and not working but anyway it's because the walls are lined with aluminum foil and lead to keep us from being controlled <laughs> by alien rays so anyway basically you can go through you pick like style studio for instance and it'll say okay what kind of look are you going for casual glamorous whatever and then it breaks down even further is this like you know a sultry so like i played with one and i wanted a sultry glamorous look and then it brought up like a slew of different videos that had that look and it categorized those individually and i picked one that was like artistic and it was like these crazy big you know eye design it was craziness but like they had pouty lip and all this stuff that's under sultry so it's not just you know eyes or whatever so it was really cute and then with in the video it was an actual like makeup artist putting mm-hmm. the makeup on somebody what versus, is it called again uh, it is called makeup forever pocket studio they had a makeup artist exactly and you could search for the tutorials for your desired style and mood how about that and it's a step-by-step in instructions by the makeup artist as they go through. And they have like, so basically like she was talking you through how to do it. And then at the bottom of the screen, it would also say tips. And it would like have additional tips over above and beyond what the makeup artist was talking about. So I thought that was a fun little app. That sounds totally fun. Yeah. So I can see myself like just spending time and, and watching videos because I need something else to just suck up my free time. <laughs> So those were my topics. How about you, Mary? Well, I think it's possibly because I've been really low on sleep for the past couple of weeks, but I've been like super just like happy and inspired and just gooey about how awesome dance is, you know? (laughs) 
where people are just like, oh, I'm sad. And you're like, you should dance. You'll feel so much better. <laughs> you know, like that kind of thing. Or people are like, just hi. I don't know what's going on. So here's some of my happy dance warm fuzzy moments. Uh, warm fuzzy number one. I was looking at the Socorro Tribal blog, and uh, which is called Tribal Pilgrims. And Kate posted. And on the post, she um, put up a, co- a quote by Gabrielle Roth. Um, and she was an American dancer and musician. And she did world music and trance, dance, and um, she was interested in shamanism, which I know nothing about. I'm just going to say out there, just giving you some background. Um, This is the quote. In many shamanic societies, if you came to a medicine person complaining of being disheartened, dispirited, or depressed, they would ask one of four questions. When did you stop dancing? When did you stop singing? When did you stop being enchanted by stories? When did you stop finding comfort in the sweet territory of silence? Isn't that nice? Ooh. I know, right? That's so great. I want to find comfort in the sweet territory of silence. That's like, you know, be comfortable being by yourself and in your own mind. Let your imagination run free and sing and dance. Like, that's like perfection. That is like happiness tied up with a bow. You know what I mean? Yeah. I love that quote. I just, I heard that quote so much. And then I saw this video on Facebook that somebody had shared from whatever, 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 from this guy, Ben Aaron, who's a news reporter in New York, works for NBC. And he posted this video called Dance Walking. And it must have been some random like, ah, we got some time to fill. Let's pull up some kind of strange segment on the news dance craze or something. And he was saying that he couldn't find a workout that like as his, his personal, as a news reporter, he kept getting assigned like exercise stories, like checking out the new yoga class. What's this new fitness you know <laughs> regime? And so he was like, I just haven't found one that's right for me. So he saw, he was like standing on the corner, you know, in this video, which I think was a uh, dramatized reenactment. Dramatized. Um, and <laughs> he saw this guy walking down the street, just like dancing. And he had like a half mask on and he was just like dancing. <laughs> And so the guy's like, so what did I do? I went and danced with him. (laughs) So then he creates this thing called dance walking. Anyway, it was funny. So he's wandering around getting, you know, the random passerby to to dance with him. And it was just funny. It was like kind of a rolling over pseudo flash mob. And who doesn't love a flash mob? I'm sure a lot of people don't, which makes me sad for you. I think you should. You guys should all watch Step Up 4. You guys really (laughs) want to see some flash mob action. It's, I got it. The dance scenes are pretty awesome. In yes. Four. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. Dance board. The plot is a, is a little bit thin, but you know. I'm not watching it for the plot. <laughs> I'm watching it for Twitch. He's so cute. <laughs> what was it? The, the workshop that you wanted to go and just see if Twitch was like not wearing a shirt or something. Yes. <laughs> yes. Good times. Oh, you know what? Um. I read online the other day, speaking of Facebook, that uh, did you see that post about Marty Love coming to South Florida in November? No. I'm so going. It's like three days of workshops and it's kind of on the pricey side, which isn't too shocking. Um, I mean, Marty Love doesn't come to the East Coast much that I've noticed. Uh, but I'm totally going to go like for the Saturday and there's just one class that's like original choreography and Q&A with Miss Love and I'm like, awesome. Anyway, so I'm super excited about that. Um, I'm going just like for like zipping in Saturday morning. It's not too bad. It's only like three hours. I thought it was further. It's like at um, like Boynton Beach or something. It's at a beach. There's not kind of beach. 
down sort of by Miami in that area. Yeah. But not Miami. Uh, Thank goodness, because I always get lost when I go to Miami. And then I'm like, I'm going to die. Uh, so I'm excited about that. Granted, it's not till November. Oh, so um, you should talk about really quick when when I came over and because you've registered for Detour online and you were showing me that cute drum solo by one of the instructors which instructor was that she's my favorite I've taken like a couple more of her classes because I just love her I love I am in love with this girl she is so freaking cute Sedona Soulfire her drum solo was the competition or something right what was that contest yeah it was um Detour online had some kind of a choreography contest for three of their choreographies. I think a Rachel Bryce choreography and Ashley Lopez choreography and a Sedona choreography. And um, so you would learn the choreography from the tutorial online and then you would post a YouTube video of you performing it and then they picked a winner for each category. And I can't remember what they won. Probably like, you know, a couple months free or something like that. Or like a pony. <gasps> I would have totally entered if it was a pony. Oh my god. But yeah, so Sedona has um, a choreography, and I'm trying to see if I can... The dynamic drum solo choreography, and it's... The whole workshop video is an hour, an hour and four minutes. She does the choreography in the first couple minutes to kind of uh, just show you what it is. And Sedona is... She's adorable. I love her. I want to put her in my pocket and keep her for sad days when I can pop her out and be like, talk to me. You're so adorable. <laughs> Dance for me, Sedona. Dance. Her routine so, is super cute, too. Yeah. And her routine, routine is very cute. She's super flirty. She's adorable. So. Oh, I wanted to tell you, I have made a playlist for Yip Podcast on Spotify. <gasps> you did? Yeah, yeah. It has. It's not um, It's not fully complete, um, but I'm going through old episodes and putting up any music that we used as additional music, like in the background, and any of our featured music, any anyone that, that are on Spotify. I mean, some of the more like weird electronic, your homegrown, self-produced, not yeah. mainstream people are, of course, not on Spotify. But the ones that are on Spotify, I'm adding to a playlist. So uh, if you just want to get some ideas and you don't want to have to listen to other old episodes, which is rude, because that hurts, <laughs> you can go on um, Spotify and either search for me, Merry Christmas, or you can search for Yip Podcast Music. That's YIP space podcast space music. <laughs> <laughs> That's the playlist. Nice. <laughs> I know, right? Um, oh, and other belly dance music. You know, uh, people like Frank by Amon Tobin. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. So I decided to put it in my spring musical at school. No way. Yeah. It's, the, uh, it's when the plant zombies come out to dance in the moonlight. <laughs> They're dancing to that. Nice. Oh, you know what I forgot to talk about? I want to talk about TribalCon, like, lightning fast. I'm going to, like, zip through it. Okay, Okay. first of all, I went to TribalCon. Awesome. It was pretty cool. It was the first year. It was at a new hotel. And I've got to say, there were good things and bad things. (laughs) Bad things in... I think this hotel only, like, has... 10 employees like I kid oh, no. you not I always saw the same harassed waitress at the restaurant Aww. where the food was was pretty good but it took like seven hours to get well, um, there were only 10 people there whenever we needed like um extra towels or like oh no we had, don't have a shampoo or you know it was always the same guy who brought it up to the door uh I only saw the same two people at the desk all the time it's like they all looked tired and harried and I was like either 
there are only 10 people that work in this entire hotel or they're robots or like I was like that's that's a problem you know but the facilities were pretty nice um the main room I think was a maybe a little bit smaller than the one that was at the previous hotel but the um the location wasn't bad either it wasn't as pretty right outside because the the yeah. other tribal gone hotel you'd go out and it was like kind of brick buildings and it was like this cozy little sort of shopping area and there was lots of restaurants there and this one's like right by an interstate so it's like oh an interstate but um it pretty. only takes about <laughs> 10 minutes and you can walk to a place where there's a grocery store like walk and there's like a burger place and there's a Chinese place and there's a couple different places to eat. There's a Starbucks really close in the walking distance. So it's not bad. It's just not as pretty when you walk out. Yeah. But the convenience is there. So that's really nice. I was talking to Zia briefly and she said that there were some that they were super nice to work with, which um, she said was not always the case with the previous place. So I hope it totally works out. So uh, I went to mainly April Rose's class. Most of the classes I took around Friday. I went to Lacey's first class. She totally kicked butt, of course. She was awesome. And April Rose taught a contemporary oriental routine, which was super cute. But it was to the song, I need a dollar, dollar, dollar is yeah. what I need. <laughs> and I only knew that because I like found this list of top 50 UK hits like several months ago. And I was like, oh my God, I know this song. <laughs> and... So it was like very sort of Egyptian, but then she'd thrown some stuff that was was like, you know, some expressive things yeah. or some different facial expressions that were really funny. And then she did a lecture on belly dance at the turn of the century, which was oh, her um, nice. master's thesis, actually. She just got her master's last year. And she said that she's, it's like over 100 pages, this, this huge thing wow. that she wrote. I know, right? It makes my head hurt. And she said she's in the process of sort of decoding it from, you know, super highbrow polysyllabic words to sort of uh, mainstream idiocy for those of us who'd like to read it for ourselves. I was going to say... Uh, my words, not hers. Um, she used totally bigger words because she just got her master's <laughs> last year. Um, so she only is allowed to use big words. Yeah, now. it was like kind oh of God, hard to talk to her. <laughs> but um, And then she did a workshop tribal improv where she did the idea of the workshop was hey just kind of relax here's kind of the basic rules of improv even if you don't know the moves here here are a couple moves to get you started so that basically you can improv with some people at the next hofla you know That's here's nice. some basic core moves and you know they were a hot pot style but um they were the basic ones you know egyptian arabic with a twist you know how to transition you know in a in a course that kind of thing i went to both the shows and quick shout out to some of my favorite performers. I've not seen these people before. Sarah Beeman. She's like amazing. Um, Sahira from Urban Gypsy did a number using only Zills at the live music show. Nice. She came out and she was like, oh, I need some people to play with me. And the musicians were like, oh, we're mad at you now. You keep yelling at us. And they walked off and she's like, fine. And she just starts using her Zills. Cute. It was like amazing. I really hope it shows up on YouTube. Eventually, it made me think of that video. Uh, I just started a page on Facebook for my ITS classes in Orlando, and um, yes, so I've yes, been watching. And so, so I did. <laughs> We've got like 15 people. I don't want to brag, but um, <laughs> so it's a pretty bustling um, group there. <clears throat> I'm there. I'm there. <laughs> don't don't throw it at me. <laughs> <laughs> but there was a video I found that I was looking for new Mata videos to to post on that page where Amy and Carrie were dancing at a show like last year sometime, and the sound went out and they performed just to claps. I thought that was funny. You should go check that out. It's pretty awesome because Amy and Carrie are awesome. 
The other performers that I really liked to watch were um, an amazing dancer named Jay Lee, who part of it, other than she was like moved like liquid, she was just like amazing. <laughs> but she also used this really cool song called Afterglow. And I just, everyone's like, oh my God, this song is amazing. And so now I just picture in my head just like hundreds of dancers from that, who sat in that show, like dancing to that song in, you know, hoping that it'll make them dance as, as liquid. Just like, <laughs> just like no bones. It was really, really gorgeous. It was cool. That's all. Just that 75 hours of stuff. That's all I have to talk about. I'm tapped out now. Well, nothing left. I need you to talk a little bit more. I need you to talk to me about some music. Okay. Okay, so the first music spotlight we've got going on is not... I mean, even for fusion, this is like kind of super fusion as far as uh, dance music goes. But I really wanted to focus on it because, first of all, it's awesome CD. And it's also kind of along the tribal con vein. So there's a um, musician named Sparrow. And I saw her perform at Tribe Original... Um, last fall. Yeah, I remember you talking about her. And um, she was just like amazing. She plays accordion on like 43 other instruments. And it's pretty amazing. I know, right? <laughs> at the same time, no less. <laughs> Talented. And um, at the time, she was doing a Kickstarter campaign to fund her first solo CD. Okay. And it is now out. It has been kicked, started. And uh, she had she had our albums for sale at Tribal Con. It's called Set Sail. And I bought one because I love to support artists and stuff. And it's a cute picture on the back. Look at that picture. <gasps> that is cute. Know, right? She's got a really awesome, like, She's so tiny. cheekbones and stuff. She also dances. She's super talented. That's disgusting, really, actually. Um, so... I like to listen to her whole album, but not her. But her whole album doesn't make me feel like dancing. So the songs that I picked out that I could totally dance to, and a good thing about this is it's a lot of like minimalistic instrumentation, but so it's it's not like big huge orchestrations. So it might not work well for like a large group number, but it totally would work for a solo or okay. maybe a duet. You know, just because you can have like forty three people dancing around to, to you know three instruments, it looks weird. I'm sure it's been done. Whatever. You can disagree with me if you want to. Um, I'm getting so <laughs> I'm defensive. Like, wow. No one's even talking yet. Oh, apparently I don't really believe in my convictions. So the three songs we are going to hear. The first one is Way to the World. There's actually a video of her performing this at Alternacirc Festival of Doom in 2011. So I'll link that up on the um Is the that the blog. Alternacirc over in South Carolina? Or something. I don't know how many alternatives are there. I don't know. I mean, that sounds good. You know, it's she's in that area. <laughs> Gosh, I'm so I know so much. I do my research. Um, wow. Do you think there's is there more than one alternative? <coughs> Sorry. Festival of Doom. Anyway, um, so Way to the World is the first one. The second one is Bird Song, and part of the reason I like this one is I just. Like the lyrics are really interesting. One of the a brief lyric sample here is the sun will dry my body and the birds will eat my brains. I like it. Hmm. Um, and the third one is Set Sail, and this is the title track. This is actually adapted from a winter solstice ritual from Spiral Dance by Starhawk. And this is the only song on the album that she did not uh, that Sparrow did not write herself. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. And then when I searched for Sparrow on YouTube, looking for videos of her, 
it popped up with the song Jack Sparrow by the Lonely Island and Michael Bolton. Which is awesome if yes. you haven't seen it. it is awesome. This is the tale of Captain Jack Sparrow. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, okay. Oh, get this weight of this world off my shoulders. I know the pain of this world don't rest on me, but that don't help cause it's a lie, you see. I know the shape of this world is worn by every hand that touches it. I know upon the shore I know it is my fate to someday go no more the sun will dry my body and the birds will eat my brains and millennia will crush me into sands of time the same interesting voice yeah just like it's it sounds like it should be coming from like <laughs> like a kind of like older heavy smoker like busty woman i don't know and she's so <laughs> petite and cute because it sounds kind of gravelly you know it sounds like i lived a hard life and maybe she has you know i, I don't know her um <laughs> but like it when I look at her, she's like so cute, and she has such an impish little smile. And then I, I was hear say, her she voice. She looks tiny on that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. granted, it's just a CD cover. Everyone on a CD cover is going to be tiny, but still, <laughs> <laughs> she was like less than four inches tall. No joke. <laughs> anyway, which one did you like? Way to the world, bird song, or set sail? Set sail. It was really catchy. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. I don't know. I guess bird song. If I had to pick, I like them all. Um, I mean, but if someone held a gun to your head, <laughs> if someone held a gun in my head, I'd be like, "This is an irrational thing to get so <laughs> uptight about," and then I'd probably be dead because they'd probably be a crazy person. But I would pick bird song. I think j- I love the lyrics in bird song. It's a little bit, a little bit off kilter, and I enjoy that. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Totally cool. So we're moving on to the uh, interview. Oh, yeah. So let us get on with the interview. I just have to um, 
preface this by saying that when uh, we ended up meeting in her room, she was rooming with Mavi, and she was like, "My room's really quiet. Come on up." And I was sharing my room with like four other people, so I was like, "That'd be great." And my room smelled kind of weird because we'd had like Mexican food, and then somebody had brought in like to, I don't even know. It just like <laughs> there was an amalgamation of smells that just wasn't weren't pretty. working. weren't working together, and that's not the first impression you want to give. <laughs> And she was on the We are a professional podcast. Come I to know, my smelly room. <laughs> we were on the second floor. She was on the fourth floor. And they're they're like re redoing the hotel. And her floor has been redone. And the floor I was on has not. Her floor is so <laughs> much nicer. Oh my gosh. It's so much nicer. So I show up to her hotel room and she's um she's sitting outside in the hallway panning her nails. And she was like, Oh, I was, you know, I was worried that you'd like come in and it'd smell like nail polish, so I decided to paint him out in the hallway. <laughs> Just like really cute. Wow. And then she was worried about the smells she in like her room. Had, she like had music playing. She had like co- she had like chocolate on the table. It was like it was like Where the most pampered go? I've yeah. ever felt on an interview. It was pretty awesome. Hey, there's a lot to live up to now. I know. Peeps who want to be interviewed. <laughs> Next person who gets harassed for an interview, we are expecting big things <laughs> from you. So Cars. Yeah. Cars people. <laughs> It was super uh, comfy and mellow, and I had a great time talking to her. She's super smart, and um, she's super nice, super talented, so super. <laughs> like, super times three. <laughs> That's a lot of super. I know. All right, so this is Yip Podcast, and I am Mary, and we are here with April Rose. Hi. Thank you so much for coming on the cast. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. <laughs> so how has your TribalCon experience been so far? It's been great. This is my first time at TribalCon. And I'm getting to know some um, southern dancers that I don't know yet. i am just moved to Texas in the last year. Well, you seem to be acclimating really well. I heard you use the word y'all in a workshop today. Oh, I adopted yeah. y'all when I met my husband four years ago. Right. Well, you <laughs> met in India. Is that right? Yeah, we met in India. That is weird. So you were over there on a U.S. government grant, and how did you how did you get that together? Well, um, as an undergrad in college, mm-hmm. I studied Hindi for three years, and there was a lot of government money available to college kids that want to study what they consider critical languages. Oh. So I applied for a grant, and they funded me to go study at an institute in. Um, Jaipur in Rajasthan Mm. and my husband who's from Texas and was studying at UT for his master's Mm -hmm. degree um, got a similar scholarship to study at the same university so I had to go Mm -hmm. to India to meet my Texan husband sounds romantic (laughs) it sounds like a movie is what it sounds like yeah I mean I wasn't there to meet a guy you know so (laughs) that's when it happens when you're just open to possibilities that's true I think it happens when you put yourself in a situation that (laughs) serves your greater purpose and then you happen to run into people who um, coincide with whatever your dharma is now what does he do is he um, an artist he's a musician yeah and um, he plays all kinds of instruments and mostly rock music, mm-hmm. but also really kind of Eno-esque ambient music and also crazy weird music. He's a black metal aficionado and um, he does all kinds of stuff. And he's um, really into permaculture and organic landscape design. He's a sort of jack of all trades character. 
Um, let's talk about your beginnings in the world of dance, oh, okay. April Rose. Okay. So um, I read all about you on the internet. Oh, you did? So I feel like I know you almost as well as you probably know yourself right now. <laughs> I saw a little uh, dance documentary you did for um, a class at UCLA mm-hmm. where you talked about you started dancing really young because of your mom. So was she a belly dancer? Yeah, my mom and I started belly dancing together. The narrative in my head had always been that my mom came up to me one day and was like, let's start belly dancing. And um, then I asked her about it recently in sort of an um, auto-ethnographic exercise where I was Mm -hmm. digging into my own past for Mm -hmm. answers. Um, I asked her about why we started belly dancing. And she said that it was because I saw Suhaila dance at a Renaissance fair when I was 11. And I have no memory of that. But (laughs) apparently happened, and I'm sure it did. Um, Because I live in Northern, I'm from Northern California, so very well could have. And um, that I told her, hey, I want to do that. And she was anxious to get out of the karate hobby that she had put us in, Mm -hmm. where she had also found a boyfriend and then broke up with that boyfriend. So she was interested (laughs) in the new thing. In the new thing. And that was belly dance. And so I uh, opened up the Yellow Pages and picked a teacher in Sacramento, who Mm -hmm. was a really amazing woman named Dalila Murad. And I did um, cabaret-style belly dance until I was about 16. I read that you were in a show, and um, Amy was performing, and you were just, like, totally taken with it. So how did that, were you, like, just done? And, like, a total switchover, or did you do both kind of classes at the same time? Let me see if I can remember. I mean, I remember the show, and it was at a time when I had stopped dancing with my first teacher. Mm -hmm. And um, I had a dance partner at the time who she choreographed everything, and she made all the costuming, and her name was Diana. And we had also stopped practicing a lot, but I just did this one-off show because I still had all those networks. Mm -hmm. And at the time, I was in high school. You know, I was Mm -hmm. a 16-year-old girl, and I was more interested in theater and choir Mm -hmm. and um, academics. But I did this show, and I saw Amy dance, and Mm -hmm. I saw her beautiful presence on stage and her unabashed... Um, changing backstage and her hairy armpits and her amazing jewelry mm-hmm. and curly tendrils over her shoulders and I can still remember mm-hmm. the exact moment she danced um, a solo to a Nine Inch Nails song and I was like what is this mm-hmm. and um, luckily we're from the same hometown mm-hmm. so I started taking classes with her before it was called Hot Pot when it was still World Studio did you talk to her that night or did you like find out about her later no, <laughs> my mom called her and was like, my daughter wants to dance with She thinks you. you're so great. Yeah, so my mom <laughs> set me up with Amy Sojol. That's great. Yeah. It's so one of your workshops called Contemporary Oriental, mm-hmm. uh, you did a uh, very heavily influenced Oriental piece, but it was it had shades of other types of fusion. What sort of made you want to, to do a piece that was like that? Is just because you have both in your background and you wanted to kind of show them both off? Or did you really like that song? Or Oh my gosh, there's so many answers to that question. The reason why I ma- was interested in making a choreography mm-hmm. that was influenced by really golden age Egyptian dancers and also 1970s oriental or cabaret dancers in America is because I was researching for my master's thesis um, all about the history of belly dance in America. And um, I also had studied in Italy with a wonderful woman named Farida Fami, and she was a principal dancer and choreographer in Reda Troupe. 
and uh, taking classes with her kind of revolutionized the way I saw belly dance, mm-hmm. and I really love the concept of keeping things simple and lush mm-hmm. and heavy and light at the same time, apparently effortless. I am really interested in currently not what can I do that's crazy far outside of belly dance, but how can I use belly dance movement to do something other than inhabit the persona of a hyper-feminine, hyper-sexualized Eastern other. Mm-hmm. And But I don't want to abandon belly dance movement because I right. really love belly dance movement. So I was like, how can I use this movement that so easily lends itself to that mm-hmm. um, presentation of that character? But I want to be me or I want to be someone else. And so at that time that I made that dance, it's part of a set called Keeping On that I did at last year's Tribal Fest in 2012 and it was a duet with Aubrey Hill and then a group piece and we did the dance in like a suit jacket and slacks but I saw a bit from the international um, belly dance conference in Canada mm-hmm. where um, Gilded Serpent had gig bagged you yeah yeah. so I saw a lot from that yeah and that was a solo version of it mm-hmm. and you should watch the duet it's really magical yeah um Aubrey is an amazing dancer and our bodies (laughs) happen to move really well together and so Mm -hmm. she was like a wonder to work with but um yeah so that dance is kind of um uh, about all kinds of things like my feelings of disgust and despair about the political situation Mm -hmm. (laughs) at the time which was only a year ago and still persists and um like just the general downturn in the economy and um, the song is a lot, the dance is a lot about money mm-hmm. and corporate-driven world, um, corporate-driven, patriarchal, masculine-driven world, and how to operate in that world while still finding community and still finding art and a reason to stand by what you believe in, even though you're inundated with um, a system that makes you compete with everyone around you. And um, So what we did in the workshop was just you know, I don't know, 10, 8 counts or something. Mm-hmm. But um, the piece, the larger piece, is trying to use belly dance to, to say something more. To do say you, something that's relevant to me. Do you find that, that now, at this point in your life, you're using your belly dance mainly to portray an idea or a story? Or do you ever just go, this piece is for fun? Mm-hmm. No, I'm also trying to do things for fun, too. Mm-hmm. I recently did a dance to... Um, Isam Hushan's remix of the classic song Zena. Mm-hmm. And that's really just like pretty belly dance time. And last night at Tribal Con, I danced to a live band who mm-hmm. did a really famous Turkish song called Sulukule. And um, that was pretty belly dance time too. And it was just live performance to in music and a solo mm-hmm. improvisation, which I hardly ever do these days because I have a degree in choreography, so it's... Right. I was going to ask about that because at most, like the great huge majority of people I talk to are either completely improvised or structured improv when they do their solos. You know, like I've heard this song a million times. I know exactly what I want to do, but you know, I like to play with it. Yeah. Or just like, I have no freaking idea. I just got out there. So I was wondering, because of your obviously strong choreographic background, if you find yourself choreographing, you know, more... 
Well, I'm really trying to Im- to um, make my solo improvisation stronger. Mm-hmm. I'm really inspired by Rachel Bryce and Zoe Jake's ability to improvise on stage, and ma- many artists, a lot of belly dancers. That's kind of one of the defining elements of belly dance mm-hmm. is solo improvisational dance that is a literal translation of music in the body. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of an important part of belly dance, and I'm really working on doing that and I used to do it all the time but you know going to school for art will really make it difficult to channel your muse and make it easy to overthink things and be um have a very critical mind and sometimes it's hard for me to untrain the critical mind Mm -hmm. that I have been blessed to be able to develop in order to just let it go mm-hmm. and be present and be on stage and translate the music that you're hearing in the moment. That to me is a very scary and it risky is. thing to do. I definitely see where you're coming from. That's It's a whole other It's two skill. different skills. Yeah. It's totally mm-hmm. two different skills. Being a technical dancer um, is a different skill than being a brilliant choreographer, mm-hmm. is a different skill than being an amazing in-the-moment improvisational performer. And if you can have all those three things in one, then, oh my gosh. In a world's your oyster. Yeah. <laughs> Did you start taking other forms of dance um, before or after you started doing belly dance? After. Belly dance mm-hmm. is my first dance form. Mm-hmm. I started belly dance really young. Um, mm-hmm. Then I was interested in cheerleading and hip-hop. Mm-hmm. And um, then I went to college. And as a dance major, I had to take all kinds of classes and become proficient in um, at least two. So I did a lot of modern and ballet and West African and a lot of classical Indian dance mm-hmm. and some really a fun other classes that sort of defy categorization. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I saw some of your um, your either bachelor's or master's like choreographing like pieces online. Oh yeah, kind of you know in progress. There is one. Oh god, what is it called? Like don't look at me or oh I see. Yes, <laughs> that I was just like. It was just fascinating. It's there's weird, a right? there's a part where you kind of hike up on your knees and then you kind of shove your neck across the floor, and I thought it was like amazing. It oh, was so cool. So thanks. That one, um, that one, I actually ended up with a a big purple bruise on the side of my I'm not surprised and my shoulder. Yeah, not because of the performance, uh-huh. but because of practicing yeah. so many times. But that one was really fun. It was for um, an MFA choreography class mm-hmm. that I was in. And so, yeah, the stuff I make for, that have made for um, choreography classes are not complete choreographies. They're mm-hmm. a study. So they're right. an experiment in something. Mm-hmm. And that was an experiment in non sequitur. Like mm-hmm. one thing that leads to the next that is seemingly like, uh, unrelated. Yeah. yeah and yeah. like makes you jump to strange conclusions in your head. Well, like, there was another part where you're doing kind of like a floor work sort of side triangle thing. And then you kind of just kind of fell over. You're like, oh, I'm tired of that. Yeah. 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 I also um I also really liked the the um parasitic thing you did for the oh, Blood Moon. Yeah. I wish I could have seen the whole show. That Blood Moon was really special. I know you interviewed Nala mm-hmm. in your podcast and she talked about her lice piece mm-hmm. and that was a really good dance and that was in the same show as the dance that right. you're talking yeah. about, which I'm calling parasitic. Mm-hmm. And um Amy assigned me for the Blood Moon, which mm-hmm. the theme was disease. She assigned me stomach disease. <laughs> First of all, what's a stomach disease? 
But I think she she was just like some ailment of the stomach. You know, it could be a stomach She's ache. Like, it's it not my problem. Figure it out. It could be constipation. <laughs> I don't know what it is. But I guessing the reason she gave it to me is because I have a very sensitive stomach, or I always have had a very sensitive <laughs> stomach, and I've tried various diets to figure it out. But actually, mm. turns out. It's kind of went away. But so I was in India when she assigned that to me. So I was thinking in my head, all I could think of was like amoebas and how I didn't want to get like a tapeworm or an amoeba <laughs> because you can get all kinds of sicknesses. And when you're traveling right, to India, yeah. I've gotten them, but you can get rid of them. But mm-hmm. certain ones you can't get rid of. So anyway, I danced around like a crazy parasite in a cat suit that covered up my face and hands and feet. And, um, that's I really like that dance too, but I was embarrassed of it for like three years, and I didn't post it online until I showed my friend on a whim, and she was like, "That's amazing! You gotta post that online." It was very cool. the The part that I like the best, and we'll link it, of course, on the blog. But there was a part where you, um, your hands were on the floor, kind of doing a thingy, and then you came up on your toes and the very tips of your fingers at the same time, and you looked like a spider, <laughs> and it was so cool. I kept rewinding it. Somebody was like, "Check out the part of two fifty. I'm like, "Whatever. I like the spider part." But it was really interesting, and and I just I really um, am in awe and respect people who can just be what they're gonna be on stage. You know, like I mean, maybe if I had more, you know, modern dance training and just more used to moving my body in new ways or experimental ways, I maybe wouldn't get so hung up about it. I get very excited when I see people who are just willing to do whatever, just to to sort of put themselves out on the floor. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. I felt super shy during that dance. I was like, uh, so, so many dances I've done, mm-hmm. I've been like, this is the worst thing I've ever made. I can't believe I'm going to do this on stage right now, but I have to act like it's good. Otherwise, people will notice it's bad. And then <laughs> later, I'm like, oh, that was worth doing. I'm glad I did that. I was wondering about uh, traveling with Bellinant Superstars mm-hmm. and how that kind of came about. Yeah, that was really interesting. I don't know that I would have ever auditioned for Belly Dance Superstars on my own, but um, I'm glad that it sort of presented itself to me. Um, one of the dance company members named Stefania, and she taught... Yeah. With the blonde hair? With the blonde hair. She's amazing. Was, yeah, They came great. through um, Orlando, and it was like the smaller group. It was just... Club um, Belly Dance. Right. Mm-hmm. So like Mariah and... Sabrina. Um, Yes, Sabrina. Mm-hmm. Sabrina were the tribal dancers, but Stefania was my favorite one of the cab. Oh, that's so awesome. I thought she was she like this. amazing. Yeah, she's great. So she taught at what used to be called Adam Bosma Studio mm-hmm. and in LA. And now it's the LA Belly Dance Academy, which um, she also runs. Um, but she taught there and I taught there. We had overlapping time slots on accident. And she saw me teaching my class and was like, wow. Mm-hmm. This tribal dancer seems really interesting, and she's nice and cool to work with because um, we figured out this like random time overlap thing really easily, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she suggested me to Miles, and then Miles called me up and was like, "Send me your cred info." So I did, and then um, I showed up to the audition and did my thing and then they asked me to join them they needed a tribal dancer at the time so Mm -hmm. it was really good timing and i took a year off from school so that Mm -hmm. i could um tour for a year did you have to choreograph your solos for belly dance superstars 
Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I've actually only had one solo. Mm -hmm. I had a complete solo with the really great drummer, Isam Hushan, and to that song, Zena, mm -hmm. in the last show, which was Magic of the Dance. And then before that, I did a, a tiny drum solo in a group drum solo piece mm -hmm. that they do at every show at the end of the first act. But yeah, I choreographed that myself. Nothing else, though. All by yourself? All by myself. <laughs> Good mm -hmm. job. Good yeah. job. Well, I mean, with Isam's help. Mm -hmm. Most of my Indian dance training comes from masters that I've studied with through UCLA mm -hmm. when I was getting my dance degree. Um, so I studied um, Bharatanatyam and Odesi and a little bit of Kathak in university. And I had the pleasure of also taking academically focused classes on these dance forms where we actually studied you know, the development of the mm -hmm. form through history and colonialism and um, how it's been changed and adjusted mm -hmm. and the rhetoric around it. So I'm really lucky to have um, done that. And then I did a little bit of like impromptu Rajasthani Kalbelia dance while I was traveling in India. And I took a couple of classical Indian dances, dance classes. But most of my studying has happened in the States. And when I was mm -hmm. in India, I was studying Hindi and yoga solely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you still, um, do you still use Hindi? Uh, my husband and I just started practicing again. We have left it behind for like the last year. It's mm -hmm. so interesting how your personality changes as you develop in life. Mm -hmm. Because um, he and I met through our um, fascination with Indian culture. My mom has been a yoga teacher for as long as I can remember. And she owns a yoga studio. And so that's kind of what tipped me off to trying to study more of Indian culture. And then we traveled there and studied it academically and that completely changes your relationship with what you were originally enamored by. Then mm -hmm. you also get this load of like post-colonial shame onto it. And then it's kind of very, so then you're faced with a decision. Like, uh -huh. do I continue to be fascinated by all of these things that mm -hmm. were truth to me at one point? Or do I realize that there is no truth. <laughs> and everything. That's so sad. Is yeah, it is. It's growing totally up is hard. Uh, growing up is hard for sure, and also like higher education is really difficult, but very uh, beneficial. But it definitely will make you um, question everything that you thought was true. <laughs> well, right, and you you did a lecture it's called Belly Dance at the Turn of the Century. Belly Dance at the Turn of the Century. Mm -hmm. And the mm -hmm. one that you're talking about was um, before our tribal improv workshop okay. today. Yeah, mm -hmm. but that one is like a big survey of mm -hmm. what the heck Belly Dance was doing from like 1850 to 1950. I really enjoyed it. Oh, good. And um, you're like, it's good because I worked really hard on it. It was really, really a lot of work. <laughs> I'm glad you enjoyed it. No, I'm really glad. Just because I worked hard on it doesn't mean that anybody else cares or that I delivered it in a way that's interesting. <laughs> and so you said you are planning to... Um, I'm going to de-grad schoolify de my... Um, see, I'm already starting to use these colloquialisms, you know. Um, I noticed. It's crazy, the slang you're throwing around. I'm going to de-grad schoolify my master's thesis, uh, which is 165 pages of really... Um, hard work and amazing history on mm -hmm. belly dance and also a discussion of 
issues that we contend with as belly dancers mm-hmm. and what we're doing right now. And it focuses a lot on the intelligent, conscious movements of belly dance today that have tried to address these issues that um, continue to percolate. Like, how do we deal with the Orientalism thing? And how do we deal with not really knowing where the dance comes from? Mm-hmm. Or, um, you know, the, the fact that it's a uh, performance art that is mm-hmm. open to interpretation and um, why we all find it so transformative and um, expanding the boundaries of ourselves and forming community with each other. Mm-hmm. Like, why is belly dance such an amazing site for all of that activity? So it has a lot of history, a lot of theory, and a lot of my own personal story. And um, I'm trying to call that all together and just edit edit it a little bit so that it reads like an interesting story rather than like a, a top-down lecture. Yeah, you know? dry. Yeah. As a dancer, you, you've said that you don't like to to say what style you are, to classify yourself and sort of pigeonhole yourself in one style. But even if you don't want to say I'm tribal fusion specifically or whatever, whatever, what are, what are some things that you like, that you would like your audience to remember about your piece? As a dancer, would you like to be... April Rose is a very powerful dancer. She's a very lyrical dancer. She's a very... She makes me feel positive energy when I watch her dance. Well, um, first of all, I would like to classify my dance as belly dance. Okay. Because I think what I do is belly dance just as much as any other dance that is called belly dance is belly dance. Because the word belly dance is kind of interesting and has its own torrid origins. And um, doesn't refer to anything particularly authentic from any particular place. So I think I fit perfectly right in there with that word. Um, And then as far as what I would want people to remember, um, I don't know because everything I do is so different. I feel like every dance, I mean, you know, you watch Mm -hmm. the Parasite dance and then No Drum Solo and then last night you saw Mm -hmm. Turkish dance and... um, also some kind of crazy weird postmodern thing I did but I guess articulate Mm -hmm. thoughtful and playful I would like to be all those things all right yeah so uh, we'll 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 take a vote (laughs) and see what they think I would um my my first I hope playful (laughs) ranks high (laughs) everyone's like no (laughs) Um, my first, my enduring thought about your dance style after watching um, your videos and your dancing last night is that you're one of the most fluid dancers that I've seen. And very, I don't want to exactly say languid because that kind of implies laziness, a little bit of laziness <laughs> to me. Because your dancing isn't lazy. You're always right there on the beat. You're, you know, you catch your moments and you always have your hits in the right place. But, but like almost, like the tick before languid, you know, where it's mm. so kind of seamless and then you kind of go shoop. And then you're back to just being really smooth. That's that's that was my main impression of your dance style. Oh, thank you so much. I think it was Sabrina Fox that said that there's a lot of water in my dance, which is kind of what you said. Yeah. So that's cool. very fluid, definitely. That's really great. I also feel like I should warn you, and this is off topic, but um, a friend of mine wants to steal your black and white striped top from last night. Oh so yeah. You might not want to wear it out again <laughs> here. You know, just as a fair warning. Uh huh. One thing that you said that you learned from the Belly Ants Superstars is the importance of makeup and costuming. Oh, yeah. Did you did you learn to sew or work on, like, find unknown sewing skills 
there uh, on tour or did you are already made because you said you're yes I did find mm-hmm. unknown sewing skills um on Billy Ann Superstars tour but before that even mm-hmm. um Unmata taught me how to sew Amy oh, Sigel and um a lot of Unmata ladies and Hot Pot Studio that was one of the most transformative things about becoming associated with Unmata was the realization that you can make everything you need mm-hmm. um or get it from a community right that it supports you and that you in turn offer things to. But then Billy Dance Superstars taught me what you need to perform on a big stage, which means mm-hmm. that it's really helpful to incorporate some glitter and some mm-hmm. glam and some rhinestones so that it can be seen in these like beautiful mm-hmm. stage lights. And that it is important to know how to shade your face so that people mm-hmm. can see your expression when you're performing and that um, you can't just be like, Dancing is more important than costuming in a big commercial stage show because, um, you know, the spectacle is a big part of why everybody's there. And so you need to deliver mm-hmm. <laughs> on that spectacle and hopefully well. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. I never put any crazy shit in my hair before I joined Belly Dance Superstars. <laughs> Let's put it like that. Are you still touring with them? Not currently. Mm-hmm. No. Um, I went back to school after a lengthy year-long tour and finished my master's degree. Yeah, recently, just last year, right? Yeah, in June. June 6th. Oh, really? Yes. Oh my gosh, you are so <laughs> good at this. Um, yeah, in June. And then my husband and I did some solo traveling. I was doing some work in Europe, in Russia, in Switzerland, and then and he was doing some crazy permaculture or shipbuilding, um, nature boy stuff. And Did you say shipbuilding? Earth ship building. <laughs> He's building earth ship. Seems like a really dumb project. I mean, <laughs> you just can do that on your own. No, but it is for when the shit hits the fan. Right. Um, okay. So like, so like the self-supporting homes. It, or, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, he would be able to talk to you a lot more about it. Mm-hmm. But it's crazy. You can just Google earth ship with a P. So we did our own traveling, and then we um, reunited with each other and our cats and moved to Austin, Texas, where he's from. Well, he's from Houston, but lived in Austin a long time. And now we're figuring out what the heck we're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm just touring solo and teaching weekly classes and really enjoying having a home-based community, mm-hmm. um, which I had in L.A. and was very sad to leave. And I'm meeting some great dancers in Austin. I really love all my students there. And um, he's working on a new career path. And we're just having a good time. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Is there any type of music you think you would never choreograph to? What a good question. Oh, my gosh. Yacht Rock. <laughs> what is <laughs> What is yacht rock? Is that rock you listen oh, to on a yacht? Google it. <laughs> You'll know what I mean. Yacht. How do you spell that? Like yacht. Y a c h t. All right, yacht rock. No, but I like a lot of. I like. I have very eclectic tastes, so that's the only thing I can think of right off the top of my head. Have you participated in any weird projects? Oh, so many. We like weird weird stories. Oh, yeah. Give us a weird story. Oh, my first ever performance in Los Angeles. How about Mm -hmm. that one? Okay. Um, I thought it. This was in 2006, Mm -hmm. and I thought it was a good idea to make friends in LA 
um, through dance by going on tribe.net and looking for a place where there was going to be like an art show. That's that an awesome idea. Yeah, that's a good idea, right? Yeah. And so there, it turned out that there was this um, art walk in, that they do every month in uh, downtown LA. And I was like, yeah, sure, downtown LA. I, I'll take the bus, you know, because I didn't have my car. And um, I'm just going to show up to this theater mm-hmm. where there's supposedly this performance happening that has something to do with a dialogue between the Middle East and um, the U.S. Mm-hmm. And really what it was was a theater that... Oh, it's the First of all, I get on the bus by myself. No, I have a friend with me. I, I contracted a friend that I didn't know very well at all. This is like my first month in college uh-huh. by myself. So I contracted a new friend. I was like, you want to go to this show in downtown LA? And she's super adventurous still. So she was like, mm-hmm. yeah, let's go. And we get on the bus and I tell the bus driver, I'm like, oh, we're trying to go to Fifth and Flowers. And he's like, no, you aren't. <laughs> like, yeah, we are. And he's like, no, you're not trying to go there. <laughs> like, yeah, we are. And he's like, okay. So then we, he told us not to go, but we did. And we got off and we went to go to this theater. It turns out to be, it used to be a porn theater. Mm-hmm. And um, it has been since gutted and revamped. And mostly just gutted, not so much revamped. Um, and there is it's just a lot of chaos. Mm-hmm. And they're like, okay, you're going to be, go backstage and be on this side and go on stage when I, when I tell you to go on stage. You know, we'll just push you on there and you'll just do your dance <laughs> to this music. And I'm like, okay, cool. So I'm like in my costume, like waiting. I don't know anybody around. These are just crazy performance artists in LA. I don't know the friend very well who's out in the audience with some strangers. And I see this guy dressed like the Statue of Liberty with a girl who's dressed like a mime in red, mm-hmm. white, and blue with a fishnet onesie on and a tutu. And um, her face is all painted and stuff. And she has no top on, so you can see everything through her fishnet top. And her and him are doing a warm-up exercise backstage before the show starts. Mm-hmm. And they're hugging each other and, like, moaning. Like, ha, 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 And, like, shaking each other. And I'm like, whoa, this is kind of weird. Okay, this is <laughs> Fun. And then they do their thing on stage, and there's oh my gosh, the live score to their performance was a guy in the back looping the sound of baby toys on like a four track, and there was a lighting artist who was putting like all kinds of crazy colors and bogos on the stage. So there's the sounds of looping baby toys. And um, crazy colors, and this guy in the Statue of Liberty, dressed as the Statue of Liberty. And the woman um, is dancing around with a plunger in one hand mm-hmm. and a flashlight in the other. And at this moment, they told me to go on stage and hand me... <laughs> <laughs> and, and hand me a gun. Like a fake gun, like a big rifle. And I'm like, okay, so I go on stage with a big rifle in a belly dance costume. Were you like in like beaded bra and belt? No, it was or? kind of fusiony. Okay. Um, it was a little understated. And um, so I'm just standing there, and they're like, just go up there and, and stand in the background and be like, you know, part of the scene. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, so I'm part of the scene. And then st- weird stuff starts to happen, and I'm like, I think I need to get out of here. Like, <laughs> I don't want to be on the stage anymore. And this was about the time when. Um, the girl had been dancing with her flashlight and her plunger, and I was like, you know, I'm going to go. I'll wait till mm-hmm. my dance. And I got off the stage, and I'm so glad I did, because at that moment, she rips off her tutu and pulls out, and it reveals a strap-on 
girdle and pulls out a dildo and straps it on, pulls the, the Statue of Liberty's <laughs> cloak back and starts either really or fakely, I'm not sure, doing him Whoa. from behind. <laughs> And then the show got busted up because of some noise ordinance or something because it started way late and I never got to do my dance anyway. And I could just imagine what my friend, what my almost friend kind of acquaintance was thinking in the audience when she was like, this is some weird stuff. But she's so adventurous and awesome. Her name is Ariel and she even met a friend of her own and he gave us a ride home and um, (laughs) we were all arrived safely with a great story to tell. That's weird. Yeah, really weird, but awesome. That is awesome. (laughs) It's weird. Really weird. Makes you wonder what those people's journey into performance art was like. I'm guessing through theater, but I don't know. It was a a protest piece Mm -hmm. um, about the war, and and that was the way they were protesting. Lady Liberty was getting screwed. Yeah, yeah. With um, well, that's a clear message. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's Children a very clear are crying. Message, I, guess. I think you know you could decode that pretty straightforward. Yeah, yeah. It was an interesting. It was an interesting thing, and it's thought provoking. Yeah, and at that's least. what's important. Yeah, <laughs> get you thinking. Are there any musical artists you're finding super inspirational right now? Oh, right now. Oh, before you came in, I was setting the mood for our interview, and I <laughs> got all of our mood lighting and. Put music on, <laughs> bemoaned the absence of candles and incense. And um, what I was listening to is a series of projects, um, and it's all Kabir in Rajasthan, or Kabir in Malwa, or Kabir in Tumri. And Kabir is um, a poet that is sort of like um, part Muslim, part Hindu, mm-hmm. sort of Sufi figure that is a poet who maybe is not one guy, but maybe rather a movement at mm-hmm. one point in India. And um, he talks a lot about God and community and um, all of these different amazing artists have done his poetry in awesome music. And um, I can send you the links to that. That'd be cool. If you want. And um, along that, and my, my husband could explain what the music is so much more eloquently than me but um he got it from his hindi instructor named rupert snell who's a really cool guy with lots of great information and um, i really like kovali music which is like devotional um music from pakistan Mm -hmm. and it starts slow and it's very repetitive and it speeds up and it gets really ecstatic and it's just amazing um messages and i like it a lot um Let's see. What else do I have been listening to a lot? Um, Oh, I really hate that I love Rihanna's new song. (laughs) Oh, my God. You shouldn't be able to make a bunch of money off of bragging about how criminally rich you are. Um, But have you heard that song? Wait, which one is it? Probably. Uh, Oh, she goes, it's a diamond. Oh, oh. Money on my mind, money, money on my mind. No, she goes, all I see is signs, all I see is dollar signs. And she's I don't think like, I've heard it, but in general, I, I have a lot of Rihanna on my playlist. I think yeah, yeah. songs are really catchy. Yeah, they are. And I love that birthday cake song so much. Yes. Oh, it's not even my birthday. It's a but great song. I want to look at the icing, icing off. Well, also, it's a song about, you know, uh, go down on me. 
And that's what that's about. I had oh, no yeah. idea. I, I, oh, you just, <laughs> now you're making me feel silly. But um, no, that's a great and that's song. That's kind though. of unprecedented. Mm-hmm. I mean, unless you're Lil' Kim mm-hmm. and then you're completely slandered for yeah. it. But, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm down with that. But, um, so I like those songs, but um, sometimes I bemoan that I like the songs because they get they won't get out of your head. I really feel like the person who engineers those beats mm-hmm. has, like, scientific knowledge on how to brainwash like subliminal people. messaging? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like, it's totally. definitely a form of brainwashing. Mm-hmm. They're like, if I put the breakdown in this one spot and rev it up in this one mm-hmm. spot, then everybody can't help... But press repeat. Yes, exactly. Press repeat. Yeah. I love this song. Yeah. I love this song. Oh my God, I love S, this song. I also really love Amy Winehouse and Adele. I'm mm-hmm. just a big fan of like strong female performers in general, so mm-hmm. even not so strong ones, like make sad tragic ones like Fiona Apple. I'm into her. I like Stina Nordenstam and she makes me feel like she's gonna just Shatter. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't she's know her. She's got this tiny little... She's got this song called Little Star. Oh, I love the movie, which that is from. Go. Romeo and Juliet. Bram Stoker. Uh, not Bram Stoker. Bram Stoker. Yeah, Bram Stoker. That would be awesome. <laughs> that would be awesome. No, um, Baz Luhrmann's Baz Romeo Lerman's and Juliet. Right. That that song is on that soundtrack. Oh, my I God. I love that. that movie so much. That's um, a great song. And also... I'm really inspired by Woody Guthrie right really? now. Really? <laughs> yes. Um, I'm I'm so convert to Texas culture. I'm I'm, I'm embracing it. I'm pretty sure he's from Texas. I heard an he NPR story on known. him recently that um, I love NPR. Talks about him. What do you listen to on NPR? Um, oh, I really like Wait Wait Don't Tell Me. Me too. I will say I went through this phase where I listened to NPR twice a day, mm-hmm. um, and then I felt like really depressed about everything <laughs> all the time, and so I was like, you know, I don't need to be informed to this extent, and it's really not healthy. So mm-hmm. I'm just going to listen to Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me yeah. on the weekends, which sums everything up in an hour that happened that oh, week. Yes. And also kind of like makes light of how terrible and tragic things are. I like, know. it's okay, everybody, you know? That like, isn't like... it funny, this human condition, you know? <laughs> um, and I also really, I'm a, just a, I'm a podcast lover. Mm-hmm. I listen to the Yip podcast. I listen to the Savage Love podcast with Dan Savage, which is alternative love and sex advice. Cool. Yeah, that one's fun. I, I also listen to the dinner party. What is the dinner party? The dinner party is download. Um, no, it's well, it's kind of like a sum up of what happened that week politically or in the okay. news, and also um, a featured guest who makes a playlist for oh, the so dinner party. Oh, so gets you ready for your dinner party exactly. conversation. That's exactly. clever. And it starts with a joke, usually an icebreaker, and an icebreaker joke, and then they 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 introduce some songs that you can put on your playlist, and then they do. <laughs> What happened this week in history? And then they make a cocktail based on what happened that week in history. And uh, they interview somebody, mm-hmm. kind of like you are right now. Mm-hmm. It's great. You should fun. listen to it. Yeah. But what if you show up and like you're hosting your dinner party, and right in the middle of you rattling off some important or interesting piece of information you heard on this podcast, somebody else is like, yeah, we all listen to the same podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Color me not impressed. <laughs> Let's move on to the cocktail. <laughs> I've got places to be. <laughs> Yeah. It's embarrassing. All the cocktails are pretty, like, unrealistic, too, on the podcast. Like, how weird? Yeah, like, strange or, like, really, like, esoteric kind of expensive <laughs> things that, you know. Oh you yeah. like your friends, but not that much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Cool. 
Is there any final words of either wisdom or not particularly wise, but something you'd like to say to our listening audience? You know what they ask on the dinner party? Hmm. They ask their audience, they ask all their guests, um, tell us something that we don't know either about yourself or about anything in general. Oh, that's a good question. Yeah. Pretend I asked that. Okay. Um, okay. Something that you don't know. Sometimes goats scream like humans. Really? Yeah. And somebody just recently compiled a two-minute video of goats screaming like humans. And I'll send you the link to that because if you're ever having a bad day, that will make you laugh so hard. Because some of the goats in the clips are like, and the other ones are like, are they just upset or is that how they bang? I think they're bang, but it just sounds like, hey, or something. It just sounds like humans just screaming. But they're goats. You know, what you should check out is uh, this guy who does these true facts on um, on YouTube videos. Who is it? Somebody, I don't know, somebody from Fat Chance posted and somebody shared it from there. I don't know. But true facts about, like, weird science stuff. And then I found it from there. And there's one that was true facts about the seahorse. Oh. And there's one that's true facts about, you know, weird marsupials and things like that. But is it true that the male seahorse houses the baby? It is true. <gasps> That's so cool. It is true. They are true facts. Oh, cool. It's also very entertaining. All right, uh, would you mind giving us a yip? Oh, yeah, sure. Okay. Yep, 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 yep. So you think of the goats again. That's like the aliens from The Simpsons. Oh. I looked up, yeah, I looked up yip. Somebody's like, you know yip is like those... Like that was that on Sesame Street? Oh, Sesame Street. Yeah. That's what it is. Yep. They're aliens yep. from Sesame yep. Street. They're like, yep, yep, No. No, 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 no. Did you name your podcast talking about the aliens on Sesame Street? No. No, we didn't. Well, thank you so much for spending some time with this. Thanks for having me. You're so sweet. Thank you. It's super fun. I love listening. Okay, so you know how in the interview where she talks about how, like, she likes most kinds of music, but she doesn't like yacht rock? Yes. And I was like, what's yacht rock? And she was like, I'll send you a link. So she sent me a link to yacht rock. Do you know what yacht rock is? Yeah, she posted it on the Facebook group, too. Right. So I had no idea, but then when I saw this list, I was like, yeah. It's all, like, the Doobie Brothers Mm -hmm. and Seals and Croft and Kenny Loggins, and I'm like, hmm. Yeah, Rosanna and, like, Summer Breeze are not exactly my jam. I can see that. They're totally my jam. I know. (laughs) Judging you right now. (laughs) But you're used to it. So do you have our second music spotlight, Mary? Totally do. Uh, In the whole... We're staying in the whole land of April Rose right now. She was selling a CD that totally has her on the cover. Look. (gasps) Pretty. I know. She's laying on the ground. Pretty awesome. <laughs> we like the ground. <laughs> like that sort of thing. She seems happy. Looks nice. The grass is green. Tribal Beats Volume 3. Music for the Strange and Beautiful. And um, so it's a compilation put together by April Rose for Belly Dance Superstars. And lots of cool music on here. I bought it from her while we were there because she used one of the tracks in class and I like shazammed it and I was like I love that Shazam 
I love that um, song and she was like it's totally on this album that I'm selling so that worked out really well the three songs that we decided we liked uh, the first one is called Loss by Skip Von Kusk and he's a cellist he started playing cello when he was like eight but he also played in bands in high school like he played bass and guitar and mandolin so he's um, multifaceted (laughs) and uh, he's collaborated with apparently everybody in the entire world wow I know right I mean I remember that time he and I collaborated I know (laughs) really simplifies your resume when you can just say I've collaborated with everyone everyone on the planet and then everyone goes oh my god you're right that's yeah, you got the job. Let's do it. <laughs> the second song we are going to hear is by Thing a Thing, which is an awesome name. Thing a Thing. It's called Rock the Whole Planet. And um, they're an instrumental band from the UK. It's a classically trained double bass player and another guy who is a DJ um, collaborating on this project. And that's the song that I heard in April Rose's workshop that was the impetus for me to buy the CD in the first place. And the last song we are going to hear is by, I'm going to say this wrong, Illetric Kids. I keep wanting to say Electric Kids, but it's not. It's <laughs> Illetric Kids or Electric Kids. I'm not really sure. But the track is called Eli Saidi and it's by Patrick uh, Jergaud or Jergaud. He's a French DJ, and my French is horrible, so I'm not really sure about that pronunciation. Sorry. Mine's even worse. Tammy, which one uh, were you totally jamming to? The one that you can pronounce because it was French. <laughs> so I'm not going to try and pronounce it either. Eli Saidi? Yes. If that was his name, I would totally be rocking the pronunciation. <laughs> well, um, I got to stand by my Finger Thing track. Uh, first of all, because Finger Thing is an awesome name for a group. And second of all, Rock the Whole Planet is a pretty comprehensive name for a song track. 
<laughs> yeah. For sure. <laughs> Which one was your favorite listeners at home? <coughs> Write us. Tell us. No, say it right now. Oh my God. None of them liked the one I liked. <laughs> That's sad. Maybe you should have picked a different 20 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> it's always possible. It's hard. It's it hard. is. Okay, so um, that out of the way. Here's our brief interview with Zoe Jakes. Interview is a strong word. Here's our brief but awesome briefness. <laughs> As you passed her in the hallway and kind of had the microphone out. <laughs> so welcome to Yip Podcast. This is Zoe Jakes. Thank you for joining us. Hi, how's it going? It's going well. How have your classes been so far this weekend? Awesome. I love teaching at TribalCon. This is my third year here and every year it gets better. Like I, I've read that you, and I've seen you in interviews talking about how um, Beats Antique specifically has a lot of different performance art aspects that you wanted to explore, um, and that you had a strong background in performance art. And um, I looked up the the marching band, extra action marching, extra action marching band, which is insane. So you were you were part of that for a while, for about four or five years. Yeah, were you an instrumentalist or a pom pom girl or a flag? I was person? on the flag team, mm-hmm. and we were a bunch of hardcore girls, man. It got crazy. <laughs> we were doing some crazy stuff. There was uh, the one time when it was National Snack Month. I know, that's my stuff. It was National Snack Month, and so I actually, we, the flag team, we went and we got um, a giant popcorn maker, and our friend worked at a movie theater, and he got bags and bags and bags of popcorn at the end of the night. And we blew popcorn all over about a thousand people in a venue, and then sprayed beer on them. So this is the kind of stuff we did. So it is toned down a bit for Beats Antique. Oh my God, yeah. We're. I mean, it was it was a DIY, wacky, crazy party time kind of thing. It was wild. As a performer, what are some some emotions that you like to put across when you're dancing? Like, do you like to be thought of as a strong dancer or a emotional dancer or a sexy dancer? Or I mean, I would say. I think someone said something about how all the technique is just kind of the price of admission. Mm-hmm. Anytime you go to see a ballerina, actually Suhaila said this, um, and it took it. I took something with it, and it made it really was a big thing for me. Um, so you go to see a ballet, mm-hmm. and the whole idea is they've spent all these years on their technique, and the technique is really strong. So you don't even think about the technique, but because of their incredible. Um, skill, they can convey these beautiful emotions through their, mu- through their movement. So I hope that my technique is strong enough that people don't even think of me as a technical dancer mm-hmm. and they just think of me as an artist that can convey a powerful emotion or idea or concept on stage. So that's what I hope for. Is there um, a concept or emotion that you find yourself more drawn to? Like you do a lot of comedy in some of your numbers, but you've also done some you know, very serious and emotional pieces. Is there one that you feel more comfortable with? or? Um, you know, comedies always come really naturally to me. Mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm, I'm a dorky comedian. And so working with being more of a visceral, serious, emotional, contemplative artist mm-hmm. has been the tricky thing for me. And it's what I've been really trying to work on because I really want to be a well-rounded and fully... Mm-hmm. A fully realized artist. I'm just trying to find a balance mm-hmm. because as a as a as a dorky goof, that's comes easier to me. And being 
more serious and emotional and vulnerable on stage has What's been a challenge. Name? And that's what I've been really what focusing on. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I think it's a challenge, but I'm mm-hmm. like trying to push oh, into it and yeah. grow. Beats Antique has come up with like an album a year for the past, what, five five years or so? Yeah, we've been cranking them out. We have a lot. I think we have six albums right now, maybe. Do you sense any slowing down, or do you guys just have so many ideas that it's not even an, an issue? Well, one of the things about us that I think is really cool is that we are, me and, I mean, all of us, just part of us as artists that we've become to do is we've really just learned to crank it out, mm-hmm. to crank out our work. And the, the thing, the artist that I am is the one that likes to produce a lot of material because mm-hmm. so that's where I find the growth. That's where the growth starts to happen and I start to feel it and it starts to really change me and change my direction with art. So we've always put a lot of work out and I think we always will regardless of whether it's with Beats Antique or not. We will always be producing creative stuff all the time. We're always thinking about it. And that's one of the reasons I think that we are still doing well having, mm-hmm. you know, we, we we blew up in the in the scene and we you know, doing really well. It's been so wonderful. We're so lucky for that. And we've you know we still work just as hard as we did when we were first working together. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the misnomers is success makes it easier and it's actually the opposite. Success mm-hmm. makes it harder because on top of making all of these tracks and making all of these albums, you're touring the album, mm-hmm. you are dealing with promotion, you are dealing with management and booking, you are dealing with all of this minutia, creating a media plan, creating like all this stuff that you're not supposed to think about to make your mm-hmm. art, you're suddenly slammed with mm-hmm. and people start to help you out, you get management and all that, but it just gets there's just not enough time. And so a lot of artists, their art will sacrifice, they'll be sacrificed a little bit for the business end, which is why a lot of times when a successful artist, when an artist becomes successful, their output becomes a little slower. They just don't have time. Right. I mean, imagine doing 150 shows a year and being expected to put an album out a year. I can speak from experience. It's really hard. Okay, I have some random questions. Question number one, uh, fill in the blank. We showed up at the venue ready to go, and then it all went to hell when we realized that... The opening act was shit-faced. Has that happened? Yes. More than once? Nope, just once. Okay, well that's good. <laughs> all right, two. One thing I'll probably try to never do on stage again is... Um, gosh, I feel like I got a couple of good ones here. Uh, almost spin off, a spin off, spin off the stage. <laughs> That's good. Landing on your audience is no way to make friends. Mm-hmm. All right, number three. I'd love to perform for blank person at the blank venue. Oh my God, Bjork. Uh, at the, geez, anywhere venue. <laughs> I love her. She's she's amazing. And um, this is completely random question. I saw you in a movie. Oh, Blood Out. Blood Out. <laughs> Sorry. An interesting movie. No, I already talked about it a couple episodes ago. It's horrible. It's a horrible movie. It's but, terrible. But I was like, oh my God, this movie's so bad. And then when it got to the end, I was like, that's Zoe. So I was just wondering, like, how did that happen? <laughs> so the director's daughter was into belly dancing, and I was her favorite belly dancer. <laughs> and I asked her daddy if I could be in the movie. It's so random and awesome and made the whole movie worth it. (laughs) Pretty funny, huh? All right. Well, we are Yip Podcast, and we ask our guests to give us a yip at the end. 
Yep. There, I told you it was short. (laughs) (laughs) And done. Oh, it was cool. It was cool. It was it was a good time. TribalCon was. It was like super awesome to meet April Rose. She's so chill and relaxed. Afterwards, I texted Amy. <laughs> I was like, I just interviewed April Rose. She's so awesome. And Amy texts back, that's why she's one of my favorites. <laughs> I was like, well, yeah, I can see that. <laughs> yeah, we have Amy's phone number. <laughs> I totally dropped that right. <laughs> And then I texted Suhaila. No, I'm just <laughs> That would be weird. <laughs> Who else did I text? I texted everybody in Belly Dance Superstars. And then I called up Miles and I was like, hey, Miles. <laughs> I'm tired. <laughs> All right. So is there anything else, Mary? Oh my gosh, no, I'm done. What about you, Tammy? Nope, that's that's it. So I think um we're gonna wrap this sucker up in a pretty little bow. That's what we're gonna do <laughs> <laughs> for this episode of Yip. This has been Tammy. And this has been Mary. Yip! <laughs> Why did your voice suddenly get very seductive at the end? <laughs>